Happy Monday. It's Dan Riccio and Marcus Fitzgerald with you for the next three hours here on Sportsnet 650 and the People's Show. We're in the Kintec studio. Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintec.net. This hour is brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Be a champion on the worksite. Find them together online at dleamc.net. Calm. What's happening, Marcus? I- I'm feeling good. I'm a little worried about you because I know you were actually up to watch the game at the prescribed time of 3 yep. a.m. I uh, So, full disclosure, set the alarm for uh, the Canadian matchup against Australia in the Women's World Cup, uh, one that we all know was a uh, not great result. But full disclosure, I um, set my alarm for 2.55 okay. a.m. So you cut it. Cut it close, but you were smart about it. And figured I'd just roll out of bed and and get to watching the match, right? Uh, of course, I hit the snooze button, though. No, but you're not supposed to do that because you go back <laughs> into a sleep cycle. Everybody knows this. I hit that, the snooze that goes button. For, that goes for any time, by the way, not just getting up for soccer at 3 a.m. I don't know if every Apple device like automatically sets to this, but you know, it, it, uh, it gave me another buzz uh, nine minutes later. Okay. So exactly nine minutes later. 3.04. Yes, 3.04. Right. So okay. I was up at 3.04. By the time I turned on the TV, it was still nil-nil, so I was, I was pretty happy <laughs> See, about that. You're not okay. a multi-alarm person? No, no. I mean, maybe if I'm doing the morning show, but not a multi-alarm person. Not urgent enough. Uh, not, that, not to make this like a, an advertisement for Apple or anything like that, but generally, like since I got the Apple Watch and it buzzes instead of like, you know, you know something loud... Do you wear the Apple Watch as you sleep? Yes. So you're tracking your sleep cycles as well? I would yes. assume that's why you're doing it. Well, that and uh, if I need to wake up, it'll it'll buzz and vibrate, and that wakes me up better than an okay. actual like alarm noise. Sleeping with your watch on. I think this is the biggest thing we'll take out of this show today. <laughs> Doesn't that get tiresome, though, to wear a watch while you're sleeping? It does at times. Sometimes it's just like, okay, i got to get rid of this thing. Not great. Although it sounds like you started faster than Canada did earlier today. Uh, by the time I, it, it, like I said, it was still nil-nil, and then it was all downhill. So mm-hmm. I, if I would have just stayed sleeping, Canada might have won that game. Yeah, maybe they would have. They might have won that game. Maybe, you know, because I, 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 I PVR'd it. I, I went the opposite you did. I, I, I set the PVR. I woke up at 5 to 7. I avoided my phone, which I know is, is impossible to do in 2023, but that's what I did. Turned it on. Okay, Canada's going to come out front foot, all this stuff. They're going to come out firing. And the first five minutes, oh, you know what? No, I don't know. I don't know about this. And then nine minutes in, Australia scores. They've got the home field advantage, home country, pressures on them to win, kind of. Don't even have their best player. didn't matter. And then after about 45 minutes, I knew that, no, this is, this is done. This is a bummer. It was a complete and utter disaster for the Canadian women's national team. Um, they've accomplished so much with so little for so many of the years. Uh, they've accomplished so much generally in spite of the Federation. Yeah, they have. Uh, even going all the way back to the bronze in 2012. And mainly, you know, they were riding on the back of Christine Sinclair, right? And that was the way that they won games. Now, as Christine has aged and her influence on a match isn't quite what it used to be in her prime um yeah they've changed the way that they play and they focus on defending well and winning in big moments or finding a big moment to win a match you know get that penalty like they had against Nigeria which was missed and that caused them to lose that first game or not win that first game I should say they defended so poorly today 
it was almost as if I was like, what team am I watching here, Marcus? It, it wasn't what we're used to, especially with this group, Dan, because, you know, you mentioned the success and, and the gold in Tokyo in 2012 and even the 2015 World Cup. They got to the knockout stage, I believe. A, a big part of their identity was just defending, and not to put a hockey term on it, but kind of like neutral zone trap-ish, that's, that's the way they've been able to do it uh, all this time. Even with Christine Sinclair, goal scoring hasn't really been their strength, but they could always hang their hat on what they did at their own end of the at their own end of the park, they didn't do that at all. And I just wonder, and you're and you're probably wondering this as well, like how much of that outside stuff, all that outside noise, how much did that finally creep in? Because if you're dealing with that, suddenly you're not going to want to, you know, put the effort in defensively the same as as you would maybe in 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 years past. But you're right; they just they got away from who they were. And when you already have trouble scoring, that's a, that's a pretty Pretty low recipe for success, for lack of a better term. Here is my feeling on this. And I'm going to borrow a line from uh, my Canuck Central co-host, Satyar Shah. Ooh, a sat line. Multiple things can be true at the same time. You can put as much blame as you want on Canada soccer, the organization, for how it has impacted on the men's team, the women's team, the organization as a whole, especially with their results of late. I think... You know, the men played at the Gold Club Gold Cup it was not great. You know, when they played against the US in the CONCACAF Nations League final, it they were so far off the pace. It was again like watching a different team. And now the women who have played I think three matches since April, because the Federation can't afford to schedule friendlies for them. They've been in the dispute with the women over their labor agreement and equal pay and so many other things that it's just been a constant battle with the organization, the federation, for the players on both the men's and women's side, and certainly even more on the women's side, who, again, have always had success in spite of Canada soccer as a federation. So there is a ton and probably the most blame to go on the federation. I think Bev Priestman, for as much as this team's greatest strength is setting up in defense well they were poor defending and they chose to play a very open game today against australia when they only needed a draw and i'm like what are we doing here why are we opening <laughs> yeah, up at all like why are you getting caught on the counter 10 minutes into the match this should not happen under any circumstance so i got questions about bev priestman too and the players bless them they've they've dealt with so much but there had to be some way that they could, and I don't know if it's even possible, but their focus was clearly, especially at the top level, and Christine Sinclair, you know, she shouldn't be such a focus for this team. No. They should have, by no. now, found a way to... The succession plan should have been in place long before this. And, and have her be more of a super sub, an impact sub, yes. than a focal point of the team on an every-match basis. But her focus has been so much on the fight with Canada soccer and setting up the next generation of players, which is an incredible thing to do and obviously very needed for Canadian players but and the Canadian players of the future. But I think there is been a problem of the focus of this team being elsewhere. There's been underperformances on some level. Jordan Heidema hasn't scored a goal, has scored one goal for Canada in her last 16 appearances 
wearing the red and white for Canada. I mean, she scores quite a bit in the NWSL, scored quite a bit for PSG. Yeah. She was seen as a bit of the succession plan. That hasn't turned out the way that Canada had hoped to yet, but still very young as a player. But there has been a lot of underperformance on the player side as well. So there is blame to go everywhere, but it ultimately has to land on the Federation for not setting up its players in the proper way to compete at a World Cup when they should be able to compete at a World Cup. They've set themselves up for this disaster for years. If you've listened to anybody that's followed the women's game closely, and I'm not saying just myself, I'm saying players, retired players, anybody who's followed the Canadian women's program has been shouting from the mountaintops, for a long while, we need our own league. There is too much investment going on around the world. If we don't get our own league, we are going to start falling behind. It was a conversation going into the Olympics, and they somehow found a way to win the damn thing. Yeah. <laughs> Under all. Which is, which is way more impressive now in hindsight. Against all odds. All this. Against all odds. But you know what? If you've watched soccer long enough, you know that eventually these problems come home to roost. And it happens at every stage. It happened almost at every World Cup on the men's side. If you're more familiar with that situation, I get it. And you see it happen all the time. 2006 Italy wins the World Cup. 2010, doesn't even get out of the group stage. Heck, they haven't even been out of the group stage since they won the World Cup in 2006. That's right. Uh, Spain wins in 2010. They go on their great run. 2018, they don't even make it out of the group stage. Germany doesn't even make it out of the group stage after they win the 2014 World Cup. France, you know, we, we've seen this happen almost all the time where a team ages out and by the next World Cup, a lot of their star players that just won them a World Cup are now past their primes a little bit and they don't adjust quickly enough. But we've been saying this about Canada for so long, Marcus, that, you know, it I feel like it's unfair to use it as an excuse. At some point, you've got to point the finger and say, you knew this was coming, and you've chosen not to be able to do anything about it. Absolutely. And when it's when it's staring you in the face for as long as it has, I mean, even in the aftermath of this match today, it all kind of came back to Christine Sinclair and picking up the blades of grass and, and saying, oh, I just want you know to take uh, my last World Cup game. I, I want to take that with me. She's 36. We knew that going in. We knew that she wasn't going to be the same focal point. And I'm kind of putting this to you, Dan, a little bit because you're you're a little more versed in this than I am. Why is it that it takes these federations in these countries so long to find that next group? Because like you said, like a, a, a team will have success in 2014 and then 2018. Oh, we didn't even get out of the group stage. You had four years to figure it out. Why is it that it takes so long to, I guess, reset or refresh because we're talking about Christine Sinclair. We're talking about Sophie Schmidt. We're wondering where that next wave is coming. We can kind of see it, but it might be there four years from now. Maybe not. Could be there eight, eight years from now, but even the group that we're talking about now, the young, uh, the younger players, they might not have it eight years from now. You know what I mean? Like it's a very, it's a very fine line, not to borrow an old Carl Robinson term, obviously, but it's a very fine line. It's a very tight window. How do you become successful? And I think having a, a, a domestic league in this country on the women's side would certainly help with that. But that is just one step. There's about 50 steps they need to take. 
so much does rely on getting more professional environments for players. And, you know, they've done it on the men's side, and this is one of the big fights that they are having with Canada soccer. It's not just about equal pay, but why did you create a men's professional league but not a women's professional league? Especially when the women have sort of been the ones carrying the torch for soccer they in this have, country yeah. for, for so long. long. Um, and the men just recently, because of the emergence of Alfonso Davies and a few others, have started to have some level of success, but even still nowhere near to the level that the women have had. One of the reasons Canada soccer was ahead of the game was because there was just a lack of investment on the women's side in soccer around the world. You cannot say that anymore. We've seen the UEFA Champions League on the women's side really take steps I mean, Barcelona basically has been selling out the new camp for a lot of their matches for their brilliant uh, women's team. Um, you see it in Mexico where they've sold out, um, what's the big stadium they have? The Azteca in Mexico. They've sold it out for women's matches, so they've really started to take it. It's not just the U.S. that is pouring money into the women's side of the game now. It's happening all over the globe, and... Canada has continuously fallen behind. The lack of investment from Canada soccer has been laughable. And the marketing deal that they signed with the Canadian soccer business that helped them start the men's league, the CPL, is working against being able to bring in funds for these programs and so while some of that does go back in a lot of it does go back into the canadian premier league on the men's side so the women might be generating money for canada soccer but guess what it goes to canada soccer business and those are basically the owners of the canadian premier league so it is a really murky situation and it's ugly it is gross and i don't know how exactly they are going to fix it other than having a real and tangible change to this marketing deal that they made with Canada Soccer Business, which essentially says, for those that don't know much about it and just understand that Canada Soccer on both the men's and women's side have decided to go into a big labor dispute with the Federation, it essentially says, we will handle all of your marketing deals, advertisements, whatever will work, and we'll, we'll generate money. But Canada Soccer, every single year, you get Three and a half million dollars, we take the rest. That's the set number? That's the set number. And it's never going to grow. This is a 20-year deal. <laughs> it's never going to grow. 20 you, years. You have. Who agreed to that? Right. It's Well, it's a 10-year deal with a option on Canada soccer business to <laughs> okay. yeah, take extend it to, a 20, to another 10 years. <laughs> Why wouldn't you take that option? Yeah, yeah. Especially when, you know, you're going to be able to handle that in the lead up to a men's world cup on home soil. So Which you're is gonna, kind of important, by the way, you're going to generate money from having a world cup on home soil and Canada soccer is only going to cut a three and a half or going to get a three and a half, get cut a three and a half million dollar check from that. That's it for all the programs, grassroots, men's and women's. Yes, that's national right. And that's, team. That covers everything. That's not just national programs, is it? So while at the time when they signed it, you know, for Canada soccer, part of the argument would have been, well, three and a half million dollars. We've never been getting three and a half million dollars from anybody. So this sounds great. <laughs> but you should have been able to foresee some level of success coming for your country with so many good young players on the horizon. So that's part of the issue. And I don't know how they're going to fix it, but it's a problem. And 
this text that says Nate from Comox and Claire is 40, not 36 to whoever the new co-host is besides Dan. Oh, 40. Sorry. Uh, 40. We know she's getting up there. In yeah. Age, is she, the point. She's not, she's not 21 anymore. Um, it really is like ages of no real matter in this because Christine has been a little bit past it for a while now. You could even notice it at the Olympics. She wasn't there first choice penalty taker at the Tokyo Olympics. It was Jesse Fleming who wasn't available for that first match against Nigeria. There has not been a succession plan. And when you don't have a star player, especially at a world cup, it makes it that much more difficult to advance through the ranks. When you have to win on a team ethos, you know, it can be done, but you're not getting all that far generally. And that's on, it's not like, Yes, there is some level of you need to be like sometimes players just come out of nowhere. And essentially any Canadian soccer player that has developed into a relative star around the globe. I mean, Christine is in her own class of tier of player. She is the all time leading international goal scorer on both the men's and women's side. But even Alfonso Davies and guys like Jonathan David, they grow, they develop in spite of Canada soccer. Whereas those guys are the outliers, the stars. Exactly. Where's your next wave? Where's your second level to ha- to not have professional environments for players to grow in. That's why you haven't been able to develop a significant succession plan to Christine Sinclair. And you don't have enough depth in your pool of players, your national pool of players that, you know, one injury to Janine Becky is going to significantly hurt your chances at a World Cup. Jesse Fleming being unavailable for your first match is something that is going to be very hard to overcome. Like Those are things that other nations, especially top-tier ones, which Canada should claim itself to be as the reigning Olympic champions and a team that has won multiple medals at the Olympics, has um, you know gotten out of group stages often. I think it's their first time in eight years that they haven't gotten out of of the group stage at a world cup, but it's those types of things that other nations, real contending nations don't necessarily deal with in the same way that Canada does. Yeah. It just feels like Canada is operating with a razor thin uh, margin fair, both on the field and, and off the field as well. Like they can't score during the run of play. Everything has to be either from the spot or off, you know, out, out of a corner or something like that. And then we were just talking about it, how, that that next level, that second wave of talent, even that's not there to the point where one player goes down, it's like, well, what do we do now? Mm-hmm. We don't know. And when you're facing the world's best in a World Cup, not necessarily an Olympics, World Cup is a step up, everything gets magnified. And that's, again, it's, it's just a microcosm of everything that has gone wrong uh, with the Canadian soccer program on the women's side over the last few years. Uh, and obviously the Federation is to blame. But everything that's gone wrong, it, it, it comes out, in in an event like this where where the margins are so thin and it's like you know what we can't score okay then you're then you're screwed then you're screwed right even even christine sinclair missed missed the pk against nigeria and you thought okay you know what that didn't happen i i think they're in trouble and they were they were the entire tournament they did not play well uh five five hours of football dan they scored what twice because 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 another goal is an own goal as well so they just they just couldn't find it they couldn't find it. They didn't have it, you know. And uh, uh, Rager texting in, and he says, uh, I'm sorry, Dan, you were right about this. Um, because, you know, when we talked about it in the lead-up to the World Cup, 
I had mentioned my significant doubts about Canada going into this tournament and their inability to score goals, that it would come back to bite them. And in the end, it wasn't just that. It was also their inability to defend, as we saw against Australia today. A um, couple of more texts on this. 650, 650 on the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Krez from Coquitlam. You can blame the women for the play on the field and letting the outside noise take over. Ultimately, Canada soccer failed the women and the men. The incompetence of those in charge brought on a new organization, Canadian Soccer Business, who by all accounts is in it for the business aspect of the game. And CSA basically got taken advantage of when they failed the previous domestic league and ended up taking the CSB's offer which was hardly beneficial for CSA incompetence at the highest level has to accept and take the brunt of the failure for their ineptitude. It always does come back to money. (laughs) Usually one of the things about investment, and, and this is where Canada soccer has a bit of an undue responsibility that other nations do not have. But it's because they've had an inability uh, of creating their own domestic leagues on both the men's side until recently and still on the women's side. Eventually, if you have your own domestic league, guess what? Teams develop their own players. So no longer are you as a federation forced to be the one that finds ways to develop players because it's in the best interest of clubs to grow their own players because they become assets for them. You can sell them on, as we saw with Alfonso Davies. You bring in Alfonso Davies as a 15-year-old to the Vancouver Whitecaps, and by the time he's 18, you're selling him for $20 bucks to FC Bayern Munich. (laughs) Right? That's a deal. What a massive win that is for a club. And we've seen it happen with some teams in the Canadian Premier League where You know, they've given players professional opportunities. They show well in the Canadian Premier League and they sell them off to some team in Europe. Maybe not a huge fee, but, you know, maybe $100,000 or something like that. These are players that did not have a professional environment to play in that are now being put in professional environments, growing as players, going and playing in Europe and have a future in the game where they once did not. So those are... That's the benefit of creating your own domestic league that has not happened here. And there's the NWSL. It's growing rapidly. You know, the the TV numbers they pull in in the States is pretty remarkable, to be quite honest. Some of their matches, you know, will compare, especially when you get towards the final, will compare to the types of numbers that NHL games pull in in the U.S. So there is a lot to like about what the NWSL has done, but unlike... MLS, is there any NWSL teams in Canada? Toronto, Vancouver? Nope. Nope. Has TFC or the Vancouver Whitecaps decided, you know what, we want an NWSL team. Let's let's do that. Let's hop on that expansion train. Nope. Hasn't happened. So if that's not going to be the case where you don't do something like MLS and at least have a few professional franchises that are growing players that have a tangible investment into growing players. Where are you getting that investment from? You have to build your own league. And Canada is so far behind the eight ball that by the time they start their own league, like this is going to be the norm. You know, you might make world cups, but it's only going to get harder to get out of the group stage from here on out. Teams like 
Spain, Germany, France, like they are the world powers again now on the women's side where they weren't necessarily before. So you are so far behind the eight ball. Canada has to do something. And maybe this performance at this World Cup spurs some action. But given that Canada soccer is, uh, as we've been told, on the brink of bankruptcy, I have my doubts, Marcus. Yeah, it sounds like they have to clean up their own house first before we can call for summer referendums like this is the World Juniors or something. Uh, would love to see uh, some something get fixed <laughs> coming out of this because it's been a complete and abject disaster. After we had some brief moments of success for Canada soccer, the uh, women's win of the gold medal at the Tokyo Olympics, and then the men you know, running through CONCACAF World Cup qualifying, having... Some success there, and then uh, ever since the Men's World Cup started, it's essentially been downhill for Canada yeah, soccer. Yeah, the, the grim realization that, hey, this success is not, oh, we have to sustain it now? <laughs> oh, ah, what do we do now? This is, uh, this is trouble. Uh, all right, coming up, uh, we're going to uh, switch gears. Don Taylor is going to join us, uh, joins us every single Monday. Ben Steiner will join us a little bit later on, his take on... Canada's exit at the World Cup. Kevin Bowen, Jonathan Taylor asking for a trade out of Indy. We'll take a look at the Indianapolis Colts. Lots to come through the course of the next three hours here on The People's Show. It's Dan Richo and Marcus Fitzgerald on Sports at 650. Canuck Central won't be back for another uh, little while. 72 days until the Canucks drop the puck. 72. Marcus. You did the count. We are well, six weeks away from the NFL season. That's the number in my brain, in your brain, the Canucks central brain. 72 days away. 72 days away. Uh, the, the Canucks had to remind us because we are uh, Anthony Beauvillier days away from... Uh, oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> Lots of teams do that now. Yeah. Just, just prop out a uniform number. <laughs> 72 days away. It's got to be hard to do in soccer. They don't they don't wear the high uniform numbers in in soccer. I don't think you'll be seeing the Whitecaps doing that. Uh, the old, yeah, the out. old man in me is like, huh? Why do the Canucks have so many guys wearing big numbers? <laughs> right, Eddie? Because Mike go ninety six. How dare him? <laughs> These kids today. We're also Peter Schaefer days away from the start of Canucks. Season. Ah, very good. Oh yes, our next guest appreciate that. Uh, what number did Matthew Schneider wear with the Canu- uh, with the Canucks? Was it seventy two? Oh, as well? I think it was seventy two. Yeah. We're Matthew Schneider days away from yeah, uh, yeah. the Canucks. Peter Schaefer. Peter who? <laughs> Peter who? Peter who? Um, good stuff. A lot of good texts on uh, the Canada soccer discourse. Uh, Krez, let's be honest, the uh, only reason the Canadian Premier League exists is because it was a prerequisite to be eligible for the World Cup hosting rights. It's a sad reality. And, uh yeah. And you might think that there's a reason why there was a shady business deal done to uh, make sure that the Canadian Premier League was viable for just about the amount of time it would take to get you to a World Cup. Well, yeah, yeah that uh, it's not really a coincidence. Kind of like what I said in the first second. Oh, success. Oh, God. Yeah. oh no. Ah. <laughs> what are we going to do now? Uh, they did what they no, had to to make sure that uh, Canadian Premier League owners were on, uh, on base with uh, understanding that well, they'd lose a lot of money starting this Canadian Premier League, but they'd get it back in other ways. Uh, it's Dan Richo and Marcus Fitzgerald here on The People's Show. We uh, welcome him into the conversation every single Monday. It is the legend himself. It's Don Taylor. Donnie and Dolly, 10 to noon, 
through the course of uh, fall, winter, and spring, but not in summer. How's uh, how's the summer going so far, Donnie? Uh, good, good. Just um, just uh, my golf game's worse than ever, uh, so there's that. But uh, <laughs> um, just feeling bad right now because uh, we go to a Soyuz every year. And, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, man, I'm telling you, it's uh, tough to look at those pictures right now. Hearts go out to everybody who um, – who obviously people who live there, everybody fighting the fires there, man, it's just, a, it's tough to, it's tough to look at the pictures right now. Uh, when you're talking about one of the most beautiful places in, in North America, if you ask me, it's been, uh, it's been a bit of a, a strange reality this year because, you know, here in the city, here in the, the lower mainland, like the smoke has never ventured over, uh, even though it's about as bad a wildfire season. It's, it's been the worst wild wildfire season, on record, but um, you know it's almost unnoticeable from where we sit because the smoke hasn't hasn't traveled down our way, Donnie. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, and it happened if I'm not mistaken a, a couple a couple of years ago, and, and obviously uh, several times uh, before that. But it yeah. just uh, man, that's uh, it's just a, a, a every year, and you wish there was something that uh, more could be done to prevent it. I, I guess a lot of it has to do with the way we behave as human beings. But uh, it's just uh, it, it's it, it's uh, it's really tough, and you know, like we I don't know if you, you guys have done this, but you go on those holidays in the Okanagan, and this is uh, you know um, not a big consideration. <laughs> you know, you know we'll be okay, but you go on those holidays, and uh, we were in one in Kelowna fairly recently, where you know the the it was hot out, but the sun was a rumor. It was just like an orange orb in the sky. Yeah, and it's just like you're on, you're it's like you're on on another planet. It's just uh, really really strange and. And you think of the devastation that's going on. It's uh, it's it's tough. A hundred percent. Don Taylor, our guest here on uh, the People's Show, Dan Richo and Marcus Fitzgerald, with you until three o'clock this afternoon. So uh, BC Lions get another win this weekend, Donnie. But uh, seems like the only thing people were really interested in talking about was the Edmonton Elks home losing streak. Uh, sports has never really seen anything like it. It travels all the way back to 2019, the before times, you know, before the pandemic yeah. and everything else. Um, it's it's pretty wild. And you, you could see it in that market, you know, a, a big franchise for the CFL. And, you know, it, it was uh, it was pick your own seat night the, the other night in, in Edmonton as uh, they took the, the beating from the BC Lions. I think it's uh, especially strange for people who are, are a bit older like myself because um, – the Edmonton Elks and we, you know, Eskimos in, in, in the past, um, what a franchise like uh, Commonwealth stadium was built obviously for the Commonwealth games, but it was also built in accordance in relation to what the, uh, what the Edmonton football club was getting attendance wise in the past. I think I've got this stat right in, in 1982. This is when they had their run of five straight, um, five straight great cups. But in and around there, they had over 50,000 season ticket holders. They had more season ticket holders, and it was well over 50. I want to say 52, 53. They had more season ticket holders than any other football team on the planet. And, you know, and then you think of that plus success, and there was success after that as well. It was always a strong franchise. So, you know, when you, when you think of that, to the point where, like, if you're in Vancouver, you hated, you hated that team. You hated the fact that they had Gretzky and the Oilers, too. It was it, it was tough for you know Vancouverite to check out all that success in northern Al- Alberta on a really regular basis, and now we see this, and it just seems so strange. It's just so bad right now, 
And uh, like you say, pick your own seat night. Uh, it, it was, it, it was, it was tough to watch. The Lions are great. The Lions are a very good team. And they, you know, they, they win a couple of games with their backup quarterback and that's really impressive. But I think you're right. And I don't, I don't, you know, especially when you're older, the, the story is Edmonton and what's, what, what's happening there because we're just not used to that. That's just that, that's like a cornerstone franchise, and it's just really strange to witness. Well, I, I think it's interesting, Gunny, because I, I spent four years in Southern Alberta, so even I yeah. got into the the Stamps and, and the Riders. Yeah. You know, whenever they would play for years yeah. in the CFL, there's always been concern about all oh, the Vancouver and Toronto market. You yeah. know, dragging yeah. down the CFL. I, I would sense though that Edmonton going on this run of futility that they've had. Granted, it's just home field, but nevertheless, they're yeah. not a good football yeah. team. I would think that, you know, in the CFL, they're more concerned if one of these prairie-based franchises are going on a run like this. I, I feel like that's much worse uh, for the league going forward. I use that word cornerstone, and I think you're right. When you talk about Edmonton, Calgary, Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, you know, Hamilton, Ottawa to some extent, but those are, those are the foundational franchises of the league. And if they start crumbling to some extent, look, the league's had up and down, ups and downs throughout its history you expect them to, to bounce back but you know I, that, that's a really good way of looking at things and something else i'm going to steal when we get back to work in october or november but it's a really good point that that the concern bigger concern maybe not montreal vancouver toronto but one of those cornerstone one, one of those foundational franchises like Edmonton, where you just expect most things to go right and that's certainly not the case right now you know i think one of the uh i i have this I have a similar criticism of of Major League Soccer, and it's just that the regular season doesn't mean enough. You know, as much as the BC Lions right now they're they're six and one, and you know they've they've rightfully you know gained some uh, relevance back in the market from where they were a couple of years ago, Donnie, in, at the end of the Braley days. But it was and has been. I think I think the struggle over the rest of the summer as you as you get into the lead up to the playoffs is. You know, what matters about these games? Why? Why does a cat? Why, why should a casual fan care until you know maybe there's a playoff game at BC Place? Yeah, we're talking about the Caps now, right? Uh, um, no, the Lions. Oh, oh the both the Lions. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, well, you know, and um, you know that was the case last year. So yeah, I, 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 I guess. But at least when, when you go, and we talked about this last week. When you go to a Lions game now, there's. A, there's just sometimes I know this is brutal and any analytical guys will hate hear, hearing this, but sometimes there's just a feel about a franchise, hockey, football, soccer, baseball, whatever the case may be. The Lions right now have a, have a really good feel. And if they can, you know, uh, do what they did last year, win a playoff game at home, it makes it all, all that much uh, better. Hey, can I, can I just say something about the soccer and what's going on right now? Sure. It's just uh, like, if, if, if you don't mind, just like, uh, I, I'm not going to mention any names, but, it just seems that there's there's been trouble with Canada soccer going back to when I first started reporting in this uh, in this market going back to, to to the 80s. There were always complaints, always thoughts of yeah you know ignoring parts of the country, uh, corruption, that sort of thing. And just at, at this point, even with the the, the the success that the national teams, relatively speaking, have been having. It just it just uh, of, of no surprise to me uh, at all. It just it's really really disappointing. It just it's, it's such a great sport and you know the most popular sport in the world for a reason. And I just I just wish people could get their act together and behave behave well. 
Is there an appetite for domestic leagues and domestic league success in this country? We see it with the CPL, and, and Dan and I were kind of talking about this. Yeah. You know, they should probably, you know, it, it would behoove them to, you know, try to come up with a domestic league on the women's side of things just, just for development. Do you think there'd be an appetite for that? I think there's definitely an appetite. And I, I remember, and this was a men's league, obviously, but the Canadian Soccer League had some success in the 80s. And it was it was um, with the old eighty sixers who then became the, uh, the white caps at Swan Guard. That was a, that was a whole lot of fun. The, the you know, professional soccer in this country, I think, runs into the same problem as the CFL. Nobody talks about this a lot. It's a big country. Like, yeah. like, last, it's expensive to travel in this country, and if you're not packing them in, that that makes it that makes it really tough. Really tough. You know, I'm watching the CFL game the other day. Toronto beating Saskatchewan in, in, in the Maritimes. And, you know, they were talking a lot about expansion. Just like the cost of getting a team all the way across this massive country of ours, getting the Lions to the Maritimes. Oh, my God. I mean, that's expensive. Again, if you're not packing them in and if you don't have a real lucrative TV package, it's, it's tough. I think there's, there's an appetite. It's just that geography – and there's mountains in the way, uh, guys – geography makes it really tough in, in this country for a domestic league. You know, we're not, you know, England or, or Belgium, and not, not to pick on those countries for a second, but just when it comes to geography, it's a lot easier in those countries than it is than it is here. It's easier in the States, too. It's tough. Yeah, you better uh, you better have a pretty good airline on board as a yeah. sponsor yeah. for your league, yeah. right? Thank you. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of the way that it has to be. And, you know, for, for Canada soccer, I mean – to just get uh, hammered in the way that they did uh, this morning, 4-0. I, I, you know, I know Australia was a good team, but Australia was even missing the best player in the world in Sam Kerr for that match. And for a lot of uh, – I, I mean, you don't, you don't even need to, to listen to a talking head like me, Donnie. I mean, the women themselves, Christine Sinclair, you know, players, Rianne Wilkinson, players that have recently retired out of a very successful women's program have been saying this for five, six, seven years going back. If we don't get our act together and get our own domestic league, we're going to fall behind. And unfortunately, yeah. the women's program that has had so much success over the last decade plus, you know, the, this is – this is going to be the norm rather than the outlier of what it's like for Canada soccer at a Women's World Cup in the future, and, if nothing and, and changes. Maybe, maybe a domestic league means, you know, what they're doing with the women's hockey or, yeah. or, or hope to do, and that's, you know, centralize it. And, and, you know, people in Western Canada might have to bite the bullet. Maybe that's the way you go. Well, and even maybe, get, like, you know, get the Whitecaps or way. TFC to, like, buy into the NWSL like they did with MLS. You know, I just – I don't understand what the holdup yeah. is on these things. Yeah, well, I don't I, – I, you know, I feel the same way when it comes to the NHL when you look at the WNBA and the support of guests from the NBA. And it, yeah. see, it, it seems to work. Now there's a – you know, there's more more history there. But, yeah, I'm with you. I, I guess something, something to do with money, guys. Uh, <laughs> we, we, we know that, but you hope it happens one day. It's uh, it's always about the money, isn't it? Uh, isn't it, Donnie? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Blue Jays made a big trade yesterday, uh, going uh, out and acquiring one of the biggest relievers yeah. on the market. Uh, you know, we always hear it on on the uh, Dunbar Lumber text message inbox here, Donnie. Like, why are you talking Blue Jays? And there's other people that are super into it and ready to jump on the bandwagon as they go for the playoff push here over the last couple of months of the Major League Baseball season. How do you view it? Uh, the Jays hype in this market uh, as it'll probably pick up the more that they push for the playoffs. Absolutely. I mean, look, like I'm a Westerner and sometimes, you know, you get tired of, you know, 
you know, the Toronto network shoving stuff down their throats. But then you see a scene like Seattle where you've got a gazillion people in the stands and they're all wearing Toronto blue. They've obviously made it, made an impact. And anybody look, if, if, if the, the Jays were on a, went on a playoff run and last year was a disappointment losing to Seattle, uh, the country would definitely get electrified much like it did with, with, uh, with, with the rappers. I don't have a problem with it, uh, with, with it at all. We all, we all remember what a great time it was in, in 92 and 93 and the, the disappointment of 94 in that, in that season um, for all of major league, major league Baseball. People would get on board. It would be great. They're ahead of the Yankees right now. The Orioles are surprising. You know, I, 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 it, would be, it would be a whole lot of fun. And I, I, I've always said, you know, like Mariners, people, more people in Vancouver care about the Mariners. I, I think people in this town, though, like I want to be realistic for a second. People in this town would be more into a Jays drive than a Mariners drive. I honestly believe that. And it's because the Maple Leafs on the logo. It's a Canadian team. We see them a lot. We hear about them a lot. <clears throat> well, Don, the, uh, the Jays just saw Shohei Otani and the Angels. The Angels have come out and said, no, we are not trading this guy. We're going to build around him, and they're making these moves. And for me, it's like, hey, let's remember some guy. Hey, Randall Gritchick is now an angel. Um, mm-hmm. Is this rearranging deck chairs uh, uh, for the Angels right now? If you're Artie Moreno, would you move Shohei Otani, or would you just try to build around him and hopefully maybe they can cash in this fall? I'd go out of my way to try <laughs> to, to, to try to grab the guy. The thing is with him, though, um, you know, they haven't done a whole lot of winning with him. That's the surprising part. There's some good players in that organization, and there hasn't been a whole lot of success. So if he cares about that, maybe maybe that's what he, you know, that's what he'll, that's maybe what Angels ownership will want to do. Look, you know, uh, we'll, we'll build for another time here and make the most of this asset that we have. But uh, I just, you know, I'm, I'm watching the Jays last couple, you see the, the building's packed. You know, for for the Angels, it's yeah. because of this guy. Do you really want to keep up this once in a lifetime, once in two or three lifetimes of uh, uh, athlete? I, I I just don't. I I I'd go out. I I'd, I'd go out of my way if it makes financial sense. I don't see how it couldn't with that guy in your lineup. It's uh, definitely a, a polarizing move that the uh, the Angels have made so far, uh, Donnie. Before we let you go, I'm, I've been dying to ask you this uh, since the moment you mentioned it. But the golf game, like, what's troubling you right now? Is it is it uh, around the greens? Is it the driver, the big stick? Like, what's going on? Yeah, yeah you're right. <laughs> all the above. That's all. No, here, here's what's troubling for me right now, and every golfer out there. And I'm not, I've never been that. I I got into golf very late. I played lacrosse as a kid in the summer. And, you know, um, a little bit of mountain biking. So I got as well. I've never been that great. Here's the thing. Last year, I, I found this video from this Irish golf instructor, and it just spoke to me. And it was like, I had a really good season, like a good season. I'm, I'm like, I, it's done. I figured it out. You know, I can hit the ball, you know, far. I can hit it accurately. It's just, and then I go into, you know, right off the bat, driving range, first time out this year, up at Whistler, Whistler Golf. And it's like, it's going left, it's going right, it's going <laughs> too deep. I'm like, what happened? I thought I had this figured out. And, and it, that's what's frustrating me right now. It's, it's everything, because you know what it's like. If one thing goes wrong, then it just snowballs from there. Then everything goes wrong. Mm-hmm. And I just don't, I can't figure out why. Like, I kind of have an idea why I was decent last year and I'm so awful this year. And I'm sure there's a lot of people, other than those 
you know, guys they just hate that are always good. I'm sure there's people out there that can relate. I just thought, you know, man, I, I've got this thing figured out finally, and it's just gone gone away, and it's to the point now where, and again, I'm sure there's some people can relate. I don't even keep score anymore. I can't. I can relate to that. There's not enough pencil lead out there. Uh, you've gone. Uh, you've gone full David Duvall, Donnie. It, it happens else, to the uh, best of us. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah appreciate the time as always, Donnie. All the best. Any, any time, guys. Lots of fun. Uh, there he is, Don Taylor, joining us uh, here on the People Show. Golf's a funny game like that, you know. It is. Yeah, I haven't swung a club for a while, but it's funny how we all, you know, try to find consistency with our game, and then we realize, you know what, this lack of consistency, maybe that's why I'm not any good. Yes. Um, it's not kind of like, uh, I don't know, if you can uh, you chuck up a basketball, I guess. You know, I guess there's technique. Of course there's technique involved. but I, I've, been, I've been doing that regularly, and I can say, yes, you need to find consistency with that. But golf is a completely different animal it because can just there's so like, many aspects of it. It can just, like, completely disappear from you. You know, you might have a feeling for the first seven holes and then the next – 11 holes, you're toast. One, one shank off the tee or yeah. one lip out or one four putt or something, and then you're thinking about it not just for the rest of the day, <laughs> but also for the rest of the week until your next round. Yeah. And it, and it just seeps into your brain, and it, and it wrecks your routine. It's, it's a funny thing, golf, because it just stays with you no matter what you're doing. Yeah. It's, uh, it's scary how quickly you can uh, just lose the golf swing as quickly as that. But I, did the, I did the driving range over the weekend, got about 90 or so balls, and by about ball 80 or so, I could just see that the shots are shanking, they're slicing, yeah. and I'm like, these last 10 are going to be a disaster. And I'm like, let's just call it a day <laughs> and as then it is. And then, and then you're fighting with yourself because I, I do this when I'm at the park, you know, just shooting hoops. Okay, I'm gonna, I, I have to leave on a make or I have to leave on yeah. three in yes. a row. Three in a row will take a long time if you're not <laughs> locked in. So I, I imagine golf would be the same. And I don't way. want to be that person that's getting mad at myself at the driving range. Yeah, I'm just here to relax for an hour and just enjoy <laughs> Some time playing, and then you're beating yourself up by yeah. the end of it. I, I don't just want to leave mad. Yeah. Lately, I'm the guy that's like, "Oh, I've I've figured everything out." When I go to the driving range, and then I get to the course, and it's like, "Oh, no, I haven't." <laughs> yeah, totally different. Wow, totally different. like targets are so much smaller at the uh, at the at the actual golf course. You than mean they I are can't? At the range. You mean I can't just wheel out these range balls continuously and hit them? <laughs> I have to actually take it seriously. Uh, tough. Uh, all right, Dan Richo, Marcus Fitzgerald, coming up. More in on uh, Canada soccer and actually the uh, replay of the matches on right now in the studio. I don't know if I could take it. Might just have to uh, change the channel here as uh, as we go forward in the show, Marcus. Well, we watch again. Maybe they'll win. Who knows? Yeah, it's always the joke. <laughs> Not all the espresso in the world can make me uh, <laughs> want to watch this again. It's uh, the People Show on Sportsnet six fifty.